I'm the cream of the crop, and the cream always rises to the top. <laughs> All right, roll the intro. <laughs> Hello, listeners, and welcome to Area of Expertise, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast where we cover all things D&D. From the massive worlds you build to the heroes you play, AOE has you covered. Happy listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Area of Expertise. I'm Wyatt. And I'm Devin. And I'm Thor. And uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about dungeon making as well as some dungeon crawling. So we got a little bit for both the game masters and the players here today. Uh, but before we get started, uh, gentlemen, do you guys do anything cool with D&D this week? Um, yeah, I'm actually um, integrating D&D into some of my schoolwork. Um, me and a fellow classmate are um, <clears throat> teaming up on a project where we're... Uh, we're making a program that runs fight simulations between Ooh, nice. monsters and characters. We've we've built out every class with set stats and set ACs. Really? And, oh wow, yep. that'd be really helpful. Yeah, it's a it's like a little it's a little combat simulator, and like uh, he's he's doing the classes, and uh, he asked for my help because he knew that I played a lot of D and D, and he doesn't re- he doesn't really know a whole lot about it, but he he thought it was interesting. Because spoiler, uh, combat rating does not mean anything, and. <laughs> oh no! So it's like he's designing just like monster tables and like is it random encounters or like scripted? Um, we're 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 debating on that. We haven't figured that out yet. He has he's finished all of the like classes, mm-hmm. um, and you'll you'll have a screen where you can actually pick which class you're gonna play, and you you get like a basically a pre-made character sheet. Okay. Like, like the paladins have smite factored in, rogues have sneak attack factored in. It's all 5th edition based. That's pretty um, nice. He's doing that, um, and I will be doing the uh, monster stat blocks. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. That's pretty neat. I remember doing a lot of, like, uh, in, in high school I took a little bit of a programming class, and the first thing that we did was uh, doing, like, a Pokemon-esque, like, oh, yeah. 1v1. Battle simulation. Yeah, like, there's a defense stat and an attack stat, and they have yeah. to, like, calculate into themselves. It's super cool. It's yeah. It's a it's a real good way to get like your your footing with stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I'm having a good time with it. Yeah, it'd be pretty nice to kind of like get the kind of the raw expectation of as as a DM a raw expectation of how this combat may go instead mm-hmm. of it being like, oh well on paper it says the CR is five and that's for a four player group and all of them are five level five and there's four of them so it should be fine. Yeah, but come to find out. <laughs> your your playable characters have found a way to supersede that to where like and you can factor in that yeah, kind of it it'll it, it <clears throat> the program's supposed to run to give you some choices but like it's not a full simulation like it doesn't oh, account yeah, for no. everything no simulation does no but like uh you you have options for what your character yeah. is going to do and you roll initiative but um, yeah just like a a base Information is better yeah. than having it's a like guesstimation. A, it's like, hey, let's prove that a party, that a, like a, a well-rounded party, uh, could beat the shit out of something that is challengely appropriate yeah, for them. It's supposed to be challenging. Yeah, that's uh, just just quick aside. The challenge rating in Dungeons and Dragons Fifth <laughs> Edition is pretty irrelevant. It, it leaves a lot to be desired. It's yeah. uh, you will you will find if you go just by uh, challenge rating, uh, you will have very easy combat. It'll be very underwhelming. Yeah. So I find it to be either one way or the other. Like, uh, since 
I have a, uh, a larger party myself, I tend to lean higher in the CR rating because there's more of them, mm-hmm. especially if it's only like one monster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but one it's either, monster will get their dicks kicked in. Yeah, it's either, either one monster will just get absolutely curb stomped by the party, or that monster will never get hit and start just knocking them down one by and one. That's the difference between monsters and humanoid villains, is that the higher the CR goes, the fatter the health pool but it seems like the smaller the AC is. Yeah. Yeah. Is like easy to hit. That's like, just a balancing technique. Yeah, which doesn't make no sense. No one likes to miss. No, no one likes to miss, but you get to a certain point where if you roll like when we were level 13 in your campaign, Devin, we were I would roll a, an 8 on the dice and I would still hit I would still make it over a 20. So at what point in time is the balancing act just becoming more of a it doesn't apply. Like, I think level 10 is where it stops really applying because then you have like you have your weapons plus 2 and you have all your bonuses and stuff and you get to that point where you have a plus 13 or plus 11 to your hit and so there's um I, I do know some DMs that their characters will be considered like hero status using air quotes at around level 10 yeah. Like, that is where they kind of stop leveling. 5th edition does <clears throat> does have, like, that tier list already. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it has a little chart that shows, like, the tier list. Like, 1 through 5 is, like, local hero, and then, yeah. like, countrywide hero, and then, like, world hero, and then, yeah. like, universe saber is, like, up to, like, 15 to 20. Yeah. Which I, I guess it depends on just how far and how deep you want your Yeah, because yeah, there's, that, there's that golden range of, like... Six to twelve, where like that's the meat of that's a sweet, that's a sweet yeah. spot. Just because you get all the cool perks and stuff until it gets, I don't want to say boring, but until like you have to fight world threat after world threat after world yeah, threat. It, it to can be feel, a taxing to feel like you're challenged. You uh, you shift into one punch man for a bit, basically. Yeah. Like it's either you're one punch man or you're getting one punch manned. <laughs> well, like perfect analogy. <laughs> Just getting rocked. Yeah, because it's either. You have the perfect answer to stuff. Like, you've built your party to where you want it. Like, you've had some deaths along the lines. And you can see, you can get a grasp of what you need. You can build that to where you have a well-rounded group. And then you just start mowing down people. Like, like grunts and stuff are just getting demolished. Like, Rogue X is probably the sweetest spot from 6 to 12 just because they can disable so much stuff in a dungeon. It is ridiculous. Like, you make a, ro- a rogue ranger, they they can do almost... They can almost demolish an entire dungeon because they can uh, pick traps, like, they can pick locks, do traps, they can do everything that kind of hinders the party and keeps... like and they, It can make, like, the noisier characters stay quiet because they don't have to like well you can try yeah you can try but it makes it a lot easier i think mm-hmm. say um we're, what we're gonna talk about a little bit later is uh, i actually have a, a little bit of a point about um making non-combat encounters in dungeons interesting yeah and uh yeah we're, we're gonna get into that uh but uh, first, I want to talk about what I did with D and D this week. Sorry about that. One. <laughs> <laughs> you tangent, motherfucker. Um, but I decided to completely flesh out my custom class. Ooh. So, oh, what was it? Um, it is a subclass of fighter called the Flogger. Ooh. And it's a entirely whip based 
uh, subclass, like very Castlevania. I really wish whips were better. Yeah, I really wish they were just usable. Yeah, I, ha I had to do a lot of like tweaking, but the whole class is centered around just using whip, getting better with the whip, and it goes down like a, I use the arcane archer as kind of like a outline for it. Okay. So it goes down like a your whip is now a pseudo arcane focus. Well, if okay. you, it's it kind of feels like if you want to make a Belmont. Yeah, you would mix that with Bloodhunter. Yeah, like uh, that that subclass in Blood Bloodhunter to really get the uh, the most out of the it. The aesthetic. Yeah, which uh, the the very first thing you choose is the uh, the fighter archetype. Mm -hmm. You know where like if you pick archer, you get like a plus two to bow or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, for the whip, all I did was um, you pick the scourge master, which by the way, whip is also called a scourge, um, which sounds a lot cooler than flogger, but how gnarly. Um. Yeah. yeah just call it scourge. Yeah. yeah. The scourge class. Yeah. yeah. Uh. I just it gives you a plus two to hit, just flat, and um. It gives you it, it changes your uh damage dice to a d6. That's cool. Because That's nice. like having a d4 hit dice, well like you get the plus you get the ten foot range and finesse, but it's still really underwhelming. Yeah. Well, that's why you just use two, and you're just like, and you do battle master, and you can just <laughs> trip people. I'm gonna dual wield my whips. Yeah, but at that point you can just do pole arms and just be more yeah. effective. Mm -hmm. And that's what's sad. Which that's something I haven't done was I haven't done a lot of testing with um, full character builds. Yeah. So I don't know what like feats will break it or what multi classes will break it. Um, so it still has a lot of testing to do. If um, if I remember in the YouTube link, I'll I'll include a link to the home brewery nice. if you guys want to look at it. But uh, did you use did you use the website The Home Brewery? Yeah, I love that website. It's such a good website. If you, if anybody's ever looking for something to like make their own, the formatting in The Home Brewery is it .net or .com? I think it's .com. Either way, The Home Brewery is just a great place yeah, to have like an aesthetically pleasing homebrew thing mm -hmm. that looks like it came right out of the book. The like, way it doesn't look like you're just handwriting stuff. Yeah, it's it's all HTML, but like it's within I think like five minutes of reading an article, I learned it no problem mm -hmm. i'm not much of a coder well they they also have like a an example yeah. page yeah on there so you can kind of figure out what formatting yeah, is. It, it was all super easy um anyway gentlemen let's get into our main topic of discussion oh boy uh we're gonna be talking about dungeon design and then later on we're gonna be talking about physical dungeon crawling um and i guess where we're gonna start is what you do when you make a dungeon you start it so, uh, gentlemen, where do you usually start when you're tasked with making a dungeon for your players to go through? Where where do you begin? That's kind of a hard question because I, I don't really, I'm not good at making dungeons. Like that's my weakest point is doing the smaller things of a, of, DMing. Mm -hmm. Not smaller things, I should say, but like the micromanaging. The micromanaging. I I hate micromanaging. Like I want you guys to do what you want to do and have fun. So like dungeon building, it makes me feel like I'm railroading you. Mm -hmm. But if I do have to do it, it's I always make sure that there's options. Like you always want to make sure like your party has an option to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Like to start out like. Are you talking like how they enter the dungeon, or how do you start um, by building a dungeon? Kind of like 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 your let's say your players are they're level three. Okay. They've been doing some they've been doing some adventuring, some odd jobs, but now it is time to get down to business. It's Ooh. time to kick into the main story. Um, for an example, let's say your main story has 
uh, four dungeons and then the big bad. And at the end of each dungeon is a goal, maybe like a someone to save or get, a boss to fight. Get the get the MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. Like give. Uh, we'll start with like as a goal. Okay, so a goal is always like you are running from somebody and you have to get through this dungeon, or you have to save the damsel, or the king has been uh, like the the king has been kidnapped, or mm-hmm. X relative of a party or what have you has been captured they have a chest like just the tropes and it's something that is meaningful for your party not just like we're just walking down this dungeon and getting stuff like that has to be something meaningful Mm -hmm. to really get them interested in it i think uh which that's actually a point that i have is um kind of ask yourself what is the purpose of this dungeon being here, okay. What yeah, what purpose I, uh, does it serve? If I'm creating a dungeon, I've I've created quite a few. Um, mostly, when I when I start to design a dungeon or start to try to implement a dungeon, the most important thing to me is what is its purpose? Like, why why are they going here? Um, how does it fit into the the task that's already at hand? Mm-hmm. I it's possible to just toss in a dungeon for somebody along the way if they're just walking around, but that's a lot harder for you. Like, you need to plan out dungeons. They yeah. can't just stumble yeah. on one. Yeah, they can't just be walking through a forest and all of a sudden they <clears throat> see this big crypt that just pops out of nowhere. Yeah, like, yeah. like oh, um, the necromancer is infesting the crypt uh, with undead. He's stealing all of the undead and he's creating an army out of them. You have to go stop him before he can completely take over. Yeah, it's, it's a lot harder to implement a dungeon that just happens. Yeah. Um, not to say that you can't. It's no. just it's, it's just going to be very hard for you if you do. Uh, because it, it is kind of interesting if you're, let's say, you're wandering through um, like a wooded trail on the way to the next town, and out of the corner of your eye you see like a small clearing, and there's like uh, maybe like a goblin den, and yeah. your adventurers are like, hey, maybe uh, these goblins have some loot. Let's go roughhouse them. Mm-hmm. And that might be an interesting little encounter for him. Uh, you don't have to have it be like a sprawling dungeon at yeah. all. It, could just it can be a little cavern with a few yeah. offshoots, yeah. but you can you can play that on the fly and make sure like if you do that, it's not something that they that the party has to do because mm-hmm. like I've like our most recent session for my new campaign, like I set some stuff up, you guys just bypassed, and you don't have to like don't get upset that they bypassed it. You can always use that for a later date. Yeah. Um, in fact, I have a really good example of some something like that happening. Uh, my party, uh, I guess, yeah, they were raiding a, a goblin den. I guess there was a reason I picked that example. <laughs> um, subconscious. Yeah, the the, the subconscious they were, <laughs> needs to know that there's goblins. <laughs> there was a there was a town whose uh, they store grain and whatnot for the winter. You know all that jazz. But their grain silos were being broken into in the middle of the night by goblins, and the food was being stolen. Mm. So their task was to go to the goblin nest, take care of them, and then pour poison on their bedding so that they can't come back. Oh, Jesus. Dark. But it was a, a but basic awesome. extermination job. Yeah. Just throwing antifreeze in your trash cans to get rid of raccoons. Uh, have you guys ever noticed that, like, goblins are, like, the raccoons of D&D? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on how you, like implement them. In my universe, they're definitely they're, they're like... They're stereotypically 
the, the raccoons. Yeah. And would kobolds be Kobolds possums? are rats. Okay. Kobolds are rats. Like there are there's some like intelligent offshoots of goblin, I guess. Yeah, like hobgoblin. Hob- hobgoblins are super smart. So it depends if you want to write them as like there are goblins who are just like uh these kind of caveman esque, like very well, tribal that's, society. That's how um, Lord of the Rings does it. Yeah, uh, goblins are just orcs that have been underground for so long that they have a little tribal, like, yeah, incoherent they, society. They've lost like their like mass and stuff. Yeah, from they're, being they're orcs. gangly, but they're they're yeah. scrappy. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the, their task was to exterminate the goblins and then make sure they can't come back. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the dungeon I made was just a two room clearing. It had the main room that you enter, uh, they go a little bit underground, and it had maybe like a couple of traps, maybe like a tripwire that tells them, you know, there are people here or mm-hmm. what have you. Um, but their rogue did really well and disarmed and uh, dispatched the guard and then saw the tripwire. So I was like, okay, no big deal. They get through the first room, no problem, but then they get into the second room and it's just teeming with little goblins all like eating this grain bounty and they notice that one of them is much stockier than the rest he's kind of like the leader of the pack he's just taller than everybody else he's the leader (laughs) the red cap if you will and uh they take care of like long story short they take care of the encounter they do the thing but um it turns out that the big goblin is a huge coward when all of his dudes are dead because like goblins in forgotten realms absolutely fear death more than anything else. They're pack animals. Yeah. Well, it's if they don't have uh, the upper hand in numbers, they'll probably run away. Yeah. The uh, the god of the goblins is this like ruthless tyrant that if you if you're a goblin and you die, you get sent to like this pit where he just tortures you for eternity. That's and a they, lot of things that are being tortured. And they all know it. So goblins have this distinct fear of being dead. That's why they'll run away if they're in trouble. But um they kill all the dudes and then the big goblin is like spooked and hides under the table like he uses action to hide under the table and the party is like you know what he's hiding he's not a threat uh we can just take care of him a little bit let's just do this poison thing right now so they start poisoning the beds um but they take like their sweet time with it so i tell them all right you did that. Now what are you going to do? Oh, we're going to flip over the table and take care of the last goblin. Yeah. They flip it he over, gone. and he's there's just gone. a hole in the ground. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he ate through the, f- through the wood. <laughs> he just scurried <laughs> out of there. He pieced out. Yeah. So I have... I don't know if any of them are listening to the podcast now, but just know he'll be back. Recurring villains are great. Je- <laughs> Jeffrey's coming back with a vengeance. So you can, you can definitely this use Friday. these minor dungeons to implement, like, minor bosses like yeah. minor uh big yeah. bads and if it's not taken care of properly and the the villain uh lives put, puts his survival above yeah. trying to win yeah. then you have a recurring you have a cool recurring villain that well, the, the yeah. players are invested in and i mean and it's like the party didn't do anything wrong or anything like that yeah not sometimes it. things just don't work out yeah well and like they think one thing and it happens to be another thing it yeah. just circumstance how, yeah um and that kind of pushes us into the next topic oh I boy. want to talk about, which is, is your dungeon meant to protect someone or something? Now, is a, is a dungeon like an actual, like, you're going into a crypt or you're going into, like, a dungeon? Or is a dungeon just, like, any encounter? I think a dungeon is considered any indoor thing with multiple passageways yeah. in the room. Like, okay. like a closed-off-from-the-outside-world kind of encounter. Like, like a little... 
Okay, a I'm, little like warehouse is a dungeon. Okay, because I'm building an encounter for you guys, but it's a town. It's not a. No, it's not. That's not a dungeon. I okay, say. I just wanted, I'd say that's just an encounter. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to, to clear that up, like how that is. Now, like if in that town, if we were like in a tavern and had to clear out the tavern, I, I would consider the tavern then yeah. a dungeon because so there's, there's multiple many rooms. A dungeon in, in that town. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's like a pop up town on a coast, mm-hmm. and it's just like a bunch of like shanty town, like shanty uh, uh, houses. It's a very like port town. Yeah, like people like, come here and people go, but yeah, there's like, like a group that stays. Exactly. Like you have townies and you have ships. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's a pretty. I like that archetype of town. Actually, that's like my favorite town to build. Yeah, is like port towns. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think a dungeon, whether it's housing or protecting something, um, I feel like that's that's high tier, not high tier, but it, it's higher level. Um, yeah. Story importance. Mm-hmm. If a dungeon is housing or protecting something, it's important. Yeah. So you shouldn't throw those willy nilly. But yeah. when it is in there, it should be major. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like, from level like one to five, you're not really like a. You're not like in my mind, one to five is like you're building your reputation. Yeah. Like yeah, we can do this stuff. Like we Take have like, every job you can yeah, get. Yeah. Like we have like these. We've have like these smaller jobs that we've done. We've ran into some dungeons, so we know like kind of like what what we can do, like from five up. As I think, when you can really get into like the Lord of the Land has asked you to clear out X because they've stole something or they have something that he wants or they're guarding Excalibur is when you can really start doing that because you've made a name for your party. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like a it's the difference between like a low level dungeon, which is they've stolen this thing and here's where I think they've taken it, or they already have this thing at higher levels and you need to stop them. Yeah. yeah. Which, um, I don't know, maybe, it, maybe it's my, my old bones uh, <laughs> or my upbringing, but I, I, when I build dungeons, I tend to take a very uh, a very classic Legend of Zelda approach. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. it's like, it's, there are these sprawling rooms and then when you find the exit to these sprawling rooms, there's a boss. And when you beat the boss, you get a thing. I mean, or it's like an archetype for a reason. Yeah, it works. And um, I, I've been really leaning into that lately. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, the the whole like fight a bunch of underlings, then fight the boss, then get the key item that you need to progress. Yeah, I think is a good starting formula. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Because then like you can always fight like a mini boss, and they have the key to the next area of the uh, dungeon and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like have like have like a key to open up the next dungeon and then that like the main boss has like the pot of greed that you need to return to the owner of the shop to get the key to another place that you have to go it's a very zelda thing but it works and yeah it, and, it, and it and it keeps the players on a track not that you're railroading them. It but keeps like, them invested in a plot line. Exactly, and they know what the plot line is. It's not this smoke and mirror stuff. They know that they have to do X to get to Y. It's much less likely that they'll stop and be like, wait, what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. It is a game, so you have to have game mechanics yeah. in it. And Or if somebody does stop and ask, wait, what are we doing? Uh, another player can be like, oh, well, we did this, and now we're going to do this. Yeah. And then they're like... We have the pot of greed to go get the key of yeah. the city... To open up the key to open up the city of the dead. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a very domino whatever. effect. Yeah, because uh, I don't I don't know about you guys, but when 
when I play personally, when I'm a player character, uh, and I kind of notice this in my own characters uh, or my own um, PCs, is that they'll do something and then uh, they'll immediately forget why they're doing it. Yeah. So it's good to give them like a here's an item to remind you what you're doing. Yeah. It's not arcane or beneficial. It's literally just like a little trinket that says. Uh, do this next. Yeah, do it, this. It's, go a pl- here. it's a it's a placeholder. Yeah, like yeah. I tend to forget. It, yeah. Honestly, like you get caught up in all the encounters, and yeah. you're like, I'm almost dead. I'm out of spell slots. Well, we've been uh, we've been playing in that um, in Dragon Heist. That's been rough because oh so many things are being thrown at you at a time yeah. that like there's just branches of tangents everywhere. Oh no! And each of us have like we're all pretty mature players. And we all want to do our own things with our characters, and like the modules are kind of made to like railroad you in a position. Yeah. So uh, all of us want to do our own things, and all these other situations are being thrown at us, and we all want to do it different ways. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we all are like role, like we all role play our characters. Here, I'm a <laughs> we all role play our characters differently, and. Like not role play our characters differently, but like we are mature characters and we know what our characters want, and so we won't like just blindly follow someone else's interests. Mm-hmm. Like we have a a blood hunter who wants to get rid of this book of Asmodeus, and we have three rogue characters who probably would want to sell it. Yeah, my character actually doesn't care about the book one way or another. Yeah. But, like, if you could sell it for money, you would. Like, and if my character trying to be power hungry was like, well, why don't we have someone come in, like someone that we don't care about or someone that we don't like, have them summon Asmodeus, kill them, and, like, make them, like, have, like, them be commanded to do what they, like, to say what they want and then, like, to give their life for it, we can just have the MacGuffin. Because mm-hmm. that's the whole thing about Dragon Heist is that we have to get this MacGuffin that doesn't really matter. And like I'm like, so this is just like a, like a circumvent of doing that is how my character mm-hmm. sees it. But everyone, like other people are like, no, because then you're summoning Asmodeus to the mortal realm. And I'm like, I'm not. Which is really bad. Like yeah. De- <laughs> Devin as a player knows that that is bullshit yeah. crazy. But, but Cogmart is un- incorrigible and doesn't care about most higher yeah. higher power things. Like I've heard of Asmodeus as a as just like a boogeyman. Like yeah. I'm like is he really that bad? He's the boogiest boogeyman. Yeah. <laughs> Thor as a player knows that. Yeah. But as yeah. boogeyman but or as Zoli, Satan. But as Zolly <laughs> Zolly Birdman he just knows I, I, he is an urchin in Waterdeep. He doesn't know the hierarchy of devils. Yeah. He just knows that Asmodeus is a pretty mean dude. <laughs> but I, I have a, I did enjoy like our last session though because um, we've all kind of like concisely agreed on something and we're going to get something and it led us into like uh, yeah. it led us into the city of the dead and we uh, we actually just got into a dungeon. Which okay. I think I think that is like the biggest that is 100% due to Stan being a, Stan's a godly DM. Yeah, because we shout are, out to Stan. We are seriously like all five of us were doing five different things, and he has somehow got us to all the lines have arranged to where we're all together again. I don't know if that's part of the part of the mod. I it don't is think not. So yeah. I have read the beginning so of that, the module. It took us at least two months to get to chapter two. Yeah, that that probably comes with just 
years and years of party split happening. He's got so much more experience. Yeah. Which uh, he was someone that we're going to try and have on the show. Yeah, I got to I got to ask him because yeah. he's he's good. He's he's really good at like he's good at behind the scenes getting you to do what he wants you to do mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I don't know. But he's good at implementing it in a fun way. Yeah, exactly. He's good at like subterfuging it to where like you you don't know that you're being yeah put down this path, but you are. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you're being railroaded. Like but, he yeah. he did a really good job with the the dungeon that we're in now. Oh, like there were a lot of mechanics to it for like we went through like one and a half rooms and it, and it was, was like, it was like a little it was like a little crypt with a full of a bunch of ghouls oh, and they ghouls. they have the MacGuffin that we're after. Oh. And uh, it was just, it was crazy, and it was it was really good. It, yeah. it was set up perfectly. I got the right ambience from what he described. And we all kind of, like, tried to do our thing, and nothing really, like... There was a proper amount of threat. Yeah, it worked, but it didn't work, and then it worked. It was, like, a really good, like, it was very rope Very fluctuating. There was never a moment where you thought that this is falling apart. Exactly. Like, it, it was never a disaster, and it was never like we were well, I had overkill. A, I had an oh shit moment once, but, <laughs> uh, but I'm a rogue, so I quickly got out of that. So yeah, I that's... Got for bonus action dashing. That, that's where you want to be when you're designing dungeons, is like... Uh, wait, keep is that it, a segue? Keep, I think that's a segue. Keep, keep it a wave form of interesting. My god, uh, what a segue. What a mad land. Our, an absolute mad land. One of my next points is actually... Um, Preparing for the worst. Oof. So it's, uh, let's say you've designed your dungeon, you've gotten uh, everything planned out, you got all these passageways, you got traps set and enemies, and then um, your players just beef it. I say, are we are we preparing for the worst on the DM's standpoint yeah, or the like, players' standpoint? Like they, like they just railroad, all, like not railroad, but like they just like bowl over everything you set like, up. Like the or, players, the players screw getting, up your dungeon, or or their dungeon de- screws over yeah. your players. Uh, I guess we can talk about both. Yeah. yeah, we can talk about both. Let's start with um, players goofing up your dungeon. Yeah. So yeah. let's say you have um, an idol, and that idol is meant to be a puzzle that unlocks a room for your MacGuffin or whatever. Um, example, let's say your players just have no idea what to do with this thing. They are completely dumbfounded by its existence. Yeah. So okay, they decide so that's where we're going. Okay. So they decide to break it. They decide to make strength check after strength check to try and just destroy this idol. It's, it's a rough spot because you want to keep consequences real, but you also just don't want to ruin the game for your players. Yeah, yeah. It's like you if have you to break, be quick on your feet to think about stuff. If you break it, like realistically, there's no other way. Like there's there's nobody who's just going to drop you in a a phone line to yeah. be like, here's <laughs> your answer. Um, so I guess I guess a good way to deal with that, um, in my opinion, is if they break the main way have a second way that's much harder to get to but easier to understand Mm -hmm. like this one was easy to get to but maybe they just didn't grasp it make the next way to get in hard to get to fraught with danger traps and everything and um but then it's easy to like like oh we have to like do this puzzle box of of a thing it's like uh but we broke it yeah the next one is literally just a key yeah, it's just a key. It's like who who doesn't know what to do with the key? Yeah, kill the thing, get the key, open the door. Yeah, but like, you have to fight something super hard. Yeah. It's the it's the option of the long and hard way or the short and fast way. But like, 
or I should say the short and hard way or the long and easy way mm -hmm. is kind of the, you have to have options and you have to be quick on your feet to think of like, okay, if they, like, if it's an arcane thing and they don't have any, like, if they're all martial, mm -hmm. like, no, nobody is like they've, arcane. They've all got savvy. a minus one in yeah. arcana. Yeah. Well, even, even then, um, I usually I usually shy away from DM PCs, but uh, you could you could use a DM PC or an NPC that's like, oh, um, I know about this thing, and it doesn't seem like any of you would have any knowledge of that. I'll come with you. Yeah, it's then the you have an to Dante. yeah, then you have an added an added uh, challenge where you have to protect that person. They might not Which be able to defend themselves. Th that's one of my like favorite ways to implement something like that, especially since I had I, the answer. Like I I myself um I don't consider myself a very good puzzle designer. Um, so there will be instances where I make a puzzle that I think is super easy because I made it. Yeah. And you already I'm, have the answer and then you make the puzzle around it. Yeah. And then like I give it to my players and they don't know what to do. So, uh, maybe like you said, with a, a DM NPC that is just there to kind of push, like give them a nudge toward the answer. Yeah. Um, just or a pe special pair of glasses or something, or maybe like there's a corpse of an adventurer who also them, tried yeah. the puzzle where it's like it's a that's a clue is like what did they do wrong and yeah. how do we not fall into that or have like journal pages that have been ripped out of a book yes. or just you have to like go around the dungeon crumbs and find or, the breadcrumbs yeah. put it all together it's but like maybe, oh it's this maybe there's a big scorch mark next to that one lever and it's like well i don't know what that means but like, uh, <laughs> I, I did that in one dungeon it was fairly easy but uh and uh it was it was simplistic and I'm I'm a little proud of it. But uh, do you remember the dungeon in the Falkir clans, under the mound where you had to go in like through the gate? You had to find four little gems that were scattered through the. Oh yeah. And then you had to place them in the right order. Mm -hmm. Um. But the gems were. Um. I don't I don't remember all of them, but uh, every gem was different, and its name was an acronym for open. Like uh, it was like it was like <laughs> I remember opal, that. peridot, um, emerald, and uh, I don't remember what the yeah what the the N was, but uh, it opened it opened up this gate. Like uh, they had to fight some gnolls to find some of the gems because some of them had found it before them. Oh no, sorry, I'm just I'm using my limited knowledge of geology to think <laughs> about what the N uh gym would be like a precious stone i had to look it up and yeah so I, I just saw i just saw thor like staring off and i'm like what what's happening sorry i, I, I did have to look up an n gem <laughs> yeah like, i knew i knew really the first hard. three off the top of my head but i'm like there's no gem that starts with n well, i gotta look one up it, i found one it's but. like when uh we were uh playing in our buddy harrison's campaign and he was like naming off gems and there was this one that was like so obscure oh like, in that castle oh god yeah I don't even know what color that is, bud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, it's like a bloody brown orange. Well, like. Lapis lazuli. <laughs> Lapis lazuli. Wow. Oh, wow. But, yeah, the, that was just a tangent. Like, <laughs> I, 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 liked that, I liked that puzzle. It was simple. Uh, it wasn't very hard to do, but it was a, it was a roadblock. Yeah, I, I remember being absolutely stumped by the order of these, like, frantically looking through my, like, character notes, like, is there anything that spelled anything? Like, is a password? A, and I'm like, you have an opal. <laughs> a paradox. <laughs> I, I didn't put it together until, like, um... I think Ty was actually the one that put it together. Yeah, Ty, like... Ty is so good at puzzles. He typed them all in the chat, in order, like, one after the other, and he's just like... And he capitalized the letters. Yeah, it's like, it's like oh my god. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> it's like it's the little. I think that the it's like a. It was both a riddle and a puzzle, okay. and I, I love the riddle puzzles that yeah. are just like get you. It's like, yeah. oh, well, duh. It's like, now I feel silly. <laughs> and, and I think that's like a really big thing for a lot of people because, like, the Riddler is one of Batman's, like, yeah. most famous uh, rogues gallery because people enjoy that, like, sense of mystery and seeing where, like, the, mental the puzzle, will, yeah, like, and, like, exercising your brain to try and figure out where it, where this is or yeah. where it goes. Like, you almost want to solve it before Batman does. Exactly. And, but, like, there's a caveat to that to where you don't want to be puzzle after puzzle after puzzle after puzzle mm-hmm. yeah. because... It gets old. It gets old. And it, it loses its novelty. And it feels like you're trying... Like, it's just... It... To a player, sometimes it feels like you're doing this to slow down the game. Yeah, it's padding. It yeah. al- it almost feels like it. Well, it's it's either padding or like you're trying to set them up to fail. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you never want to foster that. Like, yeah. No. Like I think that depending on the size of your dungeon, between two and three good puzzles and or two or three good traps. Yeah. You know, um. Uh, with like little minor traps sprinkled in would probably be okay. Like little yeah. little tripwire, like uh, one, arrow arrow. Yeah, shot. one major trap isn't bad, but if you do like if party wiping corner. trap after party wiping trap after party wiping trap, it gets so annoying. Like, like that dungeon with the hallways that I did, that was overly trapped, but it's because I used a random generator. I'm yeah. like, this is bad. <laughs> Uh, which that takes that, that's actually you guys set it up the the segue perfectly because I did want to talk about traps. I'm you so good at everything. So good. <laughs> yeah, you guys are nailing it. Um, so the first topic in here is what in your mind makes a trap feel unfair? Because there's a, there's this big disconnect between like um, when a player hits a trap and takes just an ass load of damage, mm-hmm. they feel cheated. You have that, and you have the party wipe traps yeah where it's just like oh it's a it's a pitfall but it is a tripwire for a pitfall with the whole party and it. it's not the one person falls in if one person falls in that's okay in qu- quotations mm-hmm. but if it's the whole party it, that's when it starts getting a little bit unless it's like a a trap to another floor not just like to your death yeah it gets it gets me- I, not messed up. It gets a little bit unfair as a player when, when you have to slow down to a crawl, so that way you don't die. Like the threat of death is something that's important, but it's when you see the threat is when it starts getting is is where it doesn't feel as like unfair. It's like that gimmick of like. You get shot in the back of the head. You couldn't do anything. You're dead. Make a new character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I have a pretty strong feeling on this, but I forget the word that it is. It like the indirect relationship, where like one goes up, the other goes down. What's that called? Uh, like if one goes up, the other goes up. I'm blanking on the term for oh, that. Oh yeah, but, I know what you're talking about. But it's... like you you get the concept. Um, for traps, for me, the more deadly the trap, the more noticeable it should be. Mm-hmm. If it's really deadly, it should be able to be easier noticed well, to me. It's it's mostly U- like usually the usually the DC and the damage will scale yeah. up yeah. together. But like, who wants to be like, oh, I got a twenty on my perception. Do I see anything? No, you don't. Oh, okay, there must be nothing here because I rolled really high. Steps. Oh, you take uh, fifteen d sixes of poison damage. It, yeah, it, it should be Skyrim log traps. Yeah, <laughs> they just whack you. Have you ever been whacked by one of those? Yeah, you insta die unless you're level thirty. <laughs> yeah, so like, but they're so noticeable because that's the point they're just of hanging it. there. You yeah. can see it; it looks yeah. different. That's the point: is that 
it's something that will insta give you but it's something that is so noticeable that if you're not looking at it like if you're not if you're looking straight at the ground and you can't see it then you're i don't see you're playing the game wrong because there's no way to play the game wrong but you're being unfair to your players. You're being unfair to your players if you don't make it obvious. Mm -hmm. But if you make it obvious and they still and it still gets them, then they it's almost on them. Yeah, it, it's it's a huge communication thing. Yeah, yeah. is like if set uh, like your least damaging and less threatening trap up front. Yeah, where it's like oh, there's traps here, and then everybody will be yeah. on the alert for it. Which it's um, it's like you said with the uh, the falling log trap. Mm -hmm. is if you say, like, if you communicate to your players, there is um, a slight raised tile on the floor. You can clearly see it. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't tell them about the very obvious logs suspended on the ceiling. Yeah, you give, you give away the trigger, but not the mechanism. Yeah, yeah it's like you, need, you are both their eyes and their ears. Yeah. Uh, I think, so you need to communicate that. I think this is where passive perception really comes in handy. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. if they're coming up on your trap, it's a little telling, but ask ask for if you know you're in, in a dungeon. I think the best thing to do is at the very beginning ask everybody's passive perception and write that down if you know you're going to be dealing with traps. Mm -hmm. But what's nice about doing that is that then it puts them on edge. So it it's a it's a double edged sword for DMs because they think there's stuff there, but that's what you want to do. Yeah, you want you want, you want them, them to be on edge for yeah, a dungeon. Exactly, and you want them to be okay. There's traps in here and stuff like that. Like what's everyone's passive perception? And then they get, and they get not, not jumpy, but they get like more observant almost. And alert. Yeah. Which you almost like, I, I would honestly ask them passive perception way before they enter the dungeon. Yeah. yeah. Like, like at the beginning of the session. Yeah. You should always have that written down because it'll very rarely change. Mm -hmm. But you yeah. should definitely update it. Like ask them again when they hit their uh, like ability before. score yeah. improvement. Or like if they get to pick a new um, yeah, proficiency or something. Oh uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, look at uh, when the proficiency bonuses go up because it'll go up by one. Yeah, yeah. So you you can always be like, uh, you enter the room. Who has a passive perception above thirteen? Yeah, and or, then, or don't even ask. Look at your look at your little list and say, yeah. oh, um, uh, Johnny, uh, you are able to notice the thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what to do with it, but it's there and you see it. Honestly, I would even write down um, each character's like base arcana score. Yeah, because if, if there's a magical trap, like it's hard to perceive something that isn't physically there. Yeah. Well, yeah. that that also kind of uh, mitigates the detect magic spell. Like sometimes, if a player asks if they mm -hmm. can make an arcana check to see something, I'll give it to them. But it. But the detect it, magic is so like finite but it's a ritual and it highlights anything that's is magic. it a ritual it's a ritual okay never and mind it, and it, i thought it, it was it auras any magical thing within 30 feet of you okay. yeah but i mean for like the the initial like the, the like the boogeyman's in the room kind oh, of thing okay. not like here he is um it's like a you feel i don't know the the magical spidey sense yeah. that you, you magic should, users have yeah. so it yeah. starts going off i, I do oh, often crap. I often use Arcana as both like the magical spidey sense and the knowledge yeah. check. Yeah. Well, it's it's a lot easier than because what you have to do a ritual for ten minutes. Yeah, ritual tax on ten minutes. I don't. I feel like that's way too long. Well, you do it before you enter the dungeon. I mean, well, it's it's long time. Is, is it always active? Is it active for like how, how long? It is stays it active, active for I think 
ten more minutes. Oh, it does it. But so you, you can always like prepare on your way too. Yeah, but, but but like you have to. But you can't be doing anything else when you make a ritual. Yeah. So you have to sit down and you have to like do the incense and everything. If we're being like role play technical, mm-hmm. so you can't like be walking and doing stuff. You have to like well, sit down and do this. That's on the uh, magic user to tell yeah. the party so you, like, hey, I can really help us out if I have this up. Uh, let's wait out here for a second. So you could always just like. Um, Let's say your your party is aware that there might be traps. Mm. So before they even enter the dungeon, they are prepping their, their rituals. Um, at that time, in that ten minutes, you could roll like you could roll percentiles or anything to be like, does anything happen? Does anything inside notice people just lurking outside? Yeah, like usually uh, if you've populated if you've populated your dungeon with intelligent creatures those creatures will probably put a patrol or a guard on yeah on on the perimeter um and the very last thing i want to talk about here while we're talking about um dungeon making from a gm standpoint is uh how do you make your own puzzles or like how do you go about putting implementing a puzzle in your dungeon Puzzles um, for me, the, I've I've always had kind of a hard time with puzzles too. It's uh, it's hard to get it just right, but uh, I usually will use traps to defend minor things or corridors where like maybe the enemies are setting up an ambush. Mm-hmm. I use puzzles to house or defend something else. Mm-hmm. Like for for me, uh, puzzle puzzles are like puzzles are the big bad of non-combat encounters. Yeah. Yeah, like it's to it's to to keep like a optional like side thing. Like if you're going to the big bad, it's gonna be enemy, enemy, enemy yeah. kind of thing. Like if you're like if you see a door over there or something, you can do like a puzzle to get to the dwarven gold that they didn't even know about because mm-hmm. they're goblins. So like if you see a dwarven door over there and you have to do this. Like you might even see those goblins trying to get into it. Yeah. They just you, can't. You just see scratch marks on, on, on the door because they don't understand the mechanism or the puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. Or the big bad has the has the piece to the door that you can come back and put the, in. The dwarven key rune that opens the door. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he was using it as a toothpick or what have you. Which, um, it, there's, there's absolutely no shame because a, a lot of people want to have interesting involved puzzles in their dungeons like the real head scratcher kind of uh, puzzles Mm -hmm. there's absolutely no shame because I've done it plenty of times it's just going on to like reddit or something and searching up puzzle ideas or Mm -hmm. something like that because there's infinite ideas there are people way better at it than I will and it's (laughs) really hard to sit down for who knows how long to think of like a puzzle that is the perfect puzzle for interactivity and not being a time sink yeah because that's what really like throws it off is when a puzzle becomes a time sink where it's like like this was interesting at first but like now i'm just burning out yeah your your pcs are still messing with it an hour later and Mm -hmm. they just it's not getting it and they're getting frustrated and you're just like at some point it it becomes a this was just a time sink and which you should definitely like, uh, just like how monsters have CRs. I feel like puzzles should have CRs. Yeah. They do. Like, um, it, if you pick a theme for your puzzle, like let's say, like like with your gem thing, mm-hmm. let's replace the letters with like the four basic elements. That's yeah. a, that's a huge RPG trope. Yeah. Um, and let's say when you do when you put a certain gem in a slot, it changes a color. 
It's like, or okay. It, or it shimmers. Yeah, like, now you're literally just playing that, like, child's game where they put the shape into the hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just wait for them to do it. Um, that could be, like, a CR1. And then maybe you have one that's uh, a, an actual puzzle box. Like, that could be, like, a CR5 or 7, yeah. even. One of my favorite um, dungeons that I have done um, actually was just an entire puzzle um, that Umoth, the extra-dimensional water temple, basically. Yeah. Um, I got that idea from somebody else um, online when I was looking for it, but the whole thing was uh, you had to go through these leveled corridors and activate, like, these, like, push stones that activated water flows that pushed a pillar up mm-hmm. until it opened up. Like, it filled up with water, but it also pushed the pillar up. That's very, like, so when the pillar Zelda was, water temple. Yeah, yeah, when the p- pillar was all the way at the top, then the bottom doorway opened up. Okay. Yeah, it's very... Very Zelda-ish, very like Diablo three. There's like kind of a water. There's a lot of good. Uh, anybody that's looking for good puzzles, Diablo three has a lot of great oh, puzzles. Oh yeah, like you can almost hear the yeah. in your head like ba, ba, when ba, it goes ba. off. Yeah, I actually was gonna say that like the like the stone thing really sounded like a Zelda thing, like. Uh, I think it? I think it was based off of the Zelda Water Temple. Yeah. Um, I put my own spins on it, well, but yeah. oh yeah, yeah, obviously make it yours. Like it's there like, was a giant squid that it, came out and yeah. attacked you. <laughs> it's like what we talked about with inspiration for characters. It's you can find inspiration from anything. Like mm-hmm. you don't think that you're not being un unoriginal if you take like not take an idea but have an idea from somebody else and then make it your own. Mm-hmm. Like. We don't make our own T-shirts. Like I'm just going down that rabbit hole again of like making insp- like taking inspiration of puzzles and traps and stuff from stuff you've seen and stuff is very like it's okay. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. no one's gonna dungeons are no different. Yeah, no one's gonna think that you're subpar for yeah. for taking for using an idea. Unless so your the, player's just an ass. And, and like you, you want to avoid using like like you said, putting your own spin on puzzles. Yeah. You want to avoid like directly ripping puzzles oh. from video games. Like we all we've all played Skyrim. Yep. Yeah, we all know. You know the very first puzzle in uh, Bleak Falls Barrow where you have to match the animals on the stones yeah. to the ones on the ceiling? Yeah. Don't just rip that. No. Uh, spo- spoiler, um, the pattern is bear, moth, owl. I have it memorized. <laughs> oh, that's the, uh, the the claw door. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the one where you have to spin the stones is like dolphin. Uh, oh, uh, the stone pillars or the yeah, stone dolphin door? bird lion or something? Is it is it dolphin uh, hawk? Whale snake hawk. Whale snake hawk. We've all done this dungeon like yeah. a thousand times. Yeah. I like I like the replayability of Skyrim. What can but I like say? if God, like if so I was good. DMing you guys in a game and I just like there are three pillars each with three animals on them. You're just like, Mm-mm. oh boy. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a classic, but it's like uh, I know what this is from. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can change it up to where like it's different symbols or something, but like or uh, or changing it like affects something else. Yeah, like it's like. It's a good puzzle design, but it's so iconic for that game mm-hmm. that it's almost unusable because of it. Like, you can still do like the spin, like the spin stone. You just have to change like what's on it because, yeah, like unfortunately maybe, Skyrim is like the biggest RPG ever. Yeah, like maybe make it a instead of putting the solution literally on the ceiling. Yeah, maybe make it like a journal entry or something. A, a riddle associated with exactly. the dungeon. That solves a puzzle, or maybe every time they get it wrong, it releases a few enemies into the room. Riddles know? and puzzles go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. like 
the the uh, DMPC. You can do. Um, oh, I have notes on this. Yeah, like wait, it's not complete. I've heard, but I, I've heard like a old wives' tale of this place. Yeah. Like you can do like a little poem or something mm. that has like the answer. Uh, there's a there's a tablet in the room that has ancient Elvish. Does anyone read Elvish? Oh, I do. All right, what does yeah. it say? Yeah, and it's, it's it's like it's like a haiku. Yeah, yeah. It's like, snowing on Mount Fuji. Yeah, yeah. it's still. What yeah, could that possibly mean? It's still a riddle, <laughs> but you have the you have the answer right there. You just have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Or if you just press it enough times and like and do it enough times, they can figure it out. If like they don't have the the base requirements for like the el- like the elven or or they didn't find the uh, journal entry because they don't have a high enough passive perception, have that option to where, like, the puzzle can be cracked. Sometimes, like, if you're high enough level, then you can... There's going to be consequences. Like, at, like, level one, Mm -hmm. if you click a button so many times in a certain order, it's going to, like... I actually have a, a really funny example of, like, a... Almost like an anti-puzzle. Ooh. It's a... Uh, I believe this is from a module. I can't remember where I saw it. Or where I heard about it. But you basically lock all of the uh, PCs in a room. And, like, they can't get out. The They can clearly see the doorway where they have to go. But it's, like, blocked off by a big stone slab. And above the door is a timer from 1 to 10. And as... The door, like the door's closed, and as they get locked in, um, a button raises up from the center of the room, and then the countdown starts going. It starts like counting down from ten to one, um, and like the, the the PCs will immediately start panicking. Yeah, 100%. because they're like, no one likes timed challenges. They're like, yeah, oh no. god, it's a timer, and they'll immediately like, well, this is the only thing in the room we can interact with, and they'll slap the button. And when they pull down the button, the room goes completely black. Um, but you can still see the, like, lit-up numbers above the door. And then when they release the button, the lights come on, and the timer resets. It starts counting down again. Um, and the whole point of the dungeon was, like, they have no idea what will happen when this timer hits zero. Well, hell if I'm going to let it get to yeah, zero. Yeah. yeah. So, like, every time it gets close to one, <laughs> they just have one person sitting next to the button slapping it to reset it. All right. What do we got to do? Slap the button, Jeffrey. Meanwhile, everyone in the in the group is, like, looking around for, like, yeah. seams or anything. Frankly, and the barbarian's just, like, slapping the button harder and harder. And, uh, uh like, if I also, break it, it'll just stop. Like, like I said, I have no idea where this puzzle came from. So, if you want to, like, steal it, then go steal it. The solution to the puzzle is let the timer hit zero and then the door opens. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a red herring puzzle. And it, th- those are my favorite puzzles. Like, the, 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 the kind of gotcha puzzles. If like, I yeah. would have just let it happen. Like, if, if you weren't so scared about what could. Yeah. Well, like, that's another scary thing about those kind of puzzles is, like, that now, like now, it, it's the I feel dumb factor, mm-hmm. and the kind of like, oh, you're just kind of making me feel dumb. Yeah, like don't, don't use that in every single dungeon. Oh no, but maybe like, if you have like a wizard that's like known for being kind of a prick, yeah. like maybe put that in his Humble dungeon. Those characters a bit, you know, like yeah, maybe these maybe your PCs have been doing. They've been in this dungeon for like three in, like in-game sessions, and they're just like crawling on their hands and knees doing perception checks for traps and then it's like all right well, here's your puzzle you know figure it out 
<laughs> you figure it out. God, that oh I, shit, he's in it to win it. I want to, I want to implement that puzzle at some point. That's, it sounds fun. It's, it's really funny when it goes off. Well, that, now I'm stealing it, and I'm gonna make something horrible happen when it hits no, zero. No, <laughs> turn it on its head. Um, and something else I have here in my notes is uh, using easy puzzles to progress the main goal, and then using harder puzzles as rewards. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a pretty classic thing where like yeah. the the hardest the hardest puzzles are not necessary but they yield the most reward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like those. I like using those. And uh, when when not when I say hard puzzles, it's very subjective. But um, a lot of time uh, for me, a hard puzzle is just like a skill challenge. Even. Yeah. Like maybe if you do the easy puzzle, but you do it fast enough or well enough, you get an extra something. Maybe like a little. If you get through the skill challenge with no failures. Yeah, like yeah. like a plus one sword will roll out. Yeah, like if if you figured it out without like twenty minutes of hints mm -hmm. that you can, like if you do it, it's that's where it kind of gets tricky because it's you're giving them more like it's giving them more incentive to to succeed, mm -hmm. kind of and like. But you're also rewarding them for doing what they were already going to do. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. It's kind of the, the give and take. Yeah. And it, like we kind of hinted, it's, it's all done in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you just throw good thing after good thing at them, they're going to expect it. Yeah. So it, it's be tactful, I guess. Yeah. Pepper it in. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our show, you can support us by leaving a rating on Area of Expertise. If you are listening on YouTube, a like or subscription is a great way to let us know you want more. This has been AoE, and we'll see you in the next one.